Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hi everyone, welcome to Wright's House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all staying safe and well. It's uh, it's the first Wright's House of the Euros and we are going to talk about the horrible situation with Christian Eriksen. Our thoughts are with him. We're also going to be talking about England's win over Croatia. Um, we'll talk about Lukaku and Belgium, uh, some other games so far as well. And then ahead to the couple of things, including Scotland's first game and France versus Germany. And my guests are the one and only... Mr. Kwonga and Mr. Ryan Hunt. How you doing, Hundieta? All right, thanks, man. How are you? <laughs> How you doing, Mr. Kwonga? Very, very good. Very good. <laughs> very well indeed, yeah. How was it after Saturday, though? Because you were on air Saturday, right? Oh, you know something, right? It was, um, it was fucking horrible, bro. Yeah. And I remember while it was happening, I was literally just bewildered that we were watching this we've seen on so many occasions where you know a streaker comes on and they fucking flash off up into the sky or they go somewhere or they go to a safe place in this we were watch. I, I, mm. I tell you what I shuddered right I'm watching it and I'm saying you know when you're watching something you say this is I shouldn't be what this shouldn't be we shouldn't be watching this and then you could see his arms and his whole body do that shudder movement you know when they mm. were doing the the defibrillator on him. And I was like, and I, I just started, I started to well up. Yeah, I, I had the same thing because um, I wasn't actually watching the game live. I was going to watch the second half. Yeah. I had some stuff to do in the first half and all of a sudden I got like, my phone just started going and I yeah. went straight on Twitter and I saw it like unfolding in Twitter and like put the coverage on and it was still on. It was still on, Ryan. And I had to turn it off straight away because I didn't want to. I didn't want to watch it. We've obviously watched games before where players have either had, suffered a cardiac arrest and survived, or mm. we can remember the ones who haven't. I think because obviously, with with the Euros and it being the second day, the first full day of games, and someone like Christian Eriksen, who I mean, it doesn't matter who it is, but I think it's because it's someone that we're all quite familiar with as followers of the Premier League, and obviously with what's happening at Inter. It's just such a, I, I can't really articulate it very well. And I apologize, apologize if I can't find the words, but the first thing I did was like cried. I yeah. felt like this overwhelming sense of just like, oh fuck no, because it's just something that it's just, I don't know. I, I, I can't articulate it well. It was just horrible. We were watching someone dying. They yeah. didn't know whether he, we were watching someone dying. And you know why? I was literally saying to one of the directors who was there, Maka, I said, Maka, how are we watching this? Why? Are we? They knew exactly what they were doing, Moose, and they didn't sh cut off of it. I had my son, my wife, two mates texting, saying they're in tears. It was trauma, man. We were watching trauma. I think we were, we've seen this before though. We've seen, I think in the summer when, well, well earlier this year, when you had boats of refugees crossing the channel God, yeah. and TV crews going alongside them, Jesus. you know, even trying to talk to them. Mm. And you're watching people trying to survive as you're filming and 
I think what's interesting is how we've gone seamlessly from not witnessing these things to almost spectating in real time. Look, I was very fortunate because I was watching this game um, outside with a group of friends. So we were in quite high spirits before the thing unfolded and I was nowhere near Twitter. And a friend said to me, should you say something on Twitter? And I said, well, no, because look, speculation in that context is unhelpful. And also mm-hmm. being on Twitter in that thing, mm. people will start spiraling because what's happening is people are having their own sense of horror reinforced by everyone else's sense of horror. And that just seemed like a really bleak place to be. Not that I'm judging mm. them for being on it because it happens out of nowhere, but I just feel grateful that I wasn't in that social media context. I could step back and just be like, do you know what? Like, this is going to play out a certain way. And the people in those TV studios as well, this isn't necessarily a protocol people have planned for. And when you haven't got a protocol at a time like that, it will often bring out people's worst decision-making processes, instincts. You need to have a kind of protocol for if X happens, then X. Moose, And Moose. then you just bounce. Moose, Sorry you, to, you, yeah. you know, what I want to ask you, I want to ask you both, yeah. in fact, that if you are in charge there, mm. does, doesn't it feel like the right thing to do there is whatever happens, it cannot be worse than us not knowing what's going to happen to Christian Eriksen. Mm. And, and, you know, it didn't, it, thank God it didn't turn out to be fatal. Anything that shows that kind of trauma, should, we should not be watching that. Mm. Cut it all, basically. Replace it with Euro 2020 theme music if you need mm-hmm. to and just a, the screensaver for 20 seconds if you yeah. need to do that to buy yourself some time, time so yeah. you're not showing something so traumatic on TV because the thing the thing about this is like I have a real pet peeve and this is I'm going to keep this super brief because it's going off on a tangent of something right. that is nowhere near as important as what happened or traumatic as what happened to Christian Eriksen but seeking out like kids crying at games for mm. example under a certain mm. age allowing them to be memed all over the internet is cruel. Yeah. I hate yeah. it. The, 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 the obsession with kind of showing the kind of like cruelness in that. And this was what it was. It was cruel. Like this is a guy who could have died. Mm-hmm. And this is not, this is, this was not humane. What happened in terms of the broadcasting, wherever it was, whatever it was like, I know that I, I think some feeds managed to like cut back. I think in Denmark, they zoomed right out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the intricacies of it, but I just think that, the amount of stress that this would have caused people in the stadium watching it and those who were watching it on TV, you know, and then, and then with the, it extends, it's like a duty of care argument. You know, you have to, you have to cut it beforehand. You just have to, because this is just not something that anyone should be watching. I mean, the scary thing is how quickly it's been normalized though, how we've got used to it over time and how people Is that because of reality TV, do you think? Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is reality TV. But this is, look, I felt this way for years, like the thin end of the wedge. When that, when that whole reality TV began and we began seeing emotions that we didn't feel entitled to, and you saw it when the, someone made a very good point, the Denmark players, they knew instinctively to circle Mm -hmm. Ericsson. They just Mm -hmm. knew to do it. You know, when you see footballers covering their mouths with their hands yeah. and they're saying they're something about, because yeah. footballers are aware intimately the fact that like conversations that are private get broadcast and their inner lives are basically up for grabs. They didn't sign up for that. They signed up for being elite athletes, mm. doing stuff in the world's biggest stages. They didn't sign up for their intimate moments becoming soap operas. And that's what kind of happened the other day. We mm. saw that and it was, it was totally normal to be seeing that. And that's, a, that's another reason why on Twitter, I didn't comment on it. We got asked by a couple of people, do not talk about this? And I was like, no, I, I, didn't I got asked by, and I, yeah. I've got no interest in saying anything. I didn't, talk, I didn't tweet about it until the next morning. And all I said about it then was, um, the only comment I've made in it at any point was, it really felt like whenever that all unfolded, there was absolutely nothing to say. There were no words and I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, I, I fired out a very much a, just a, please, please be okay, please. Because mm. I'm just like, that's all I want to say. And that's all I give a shit about right now. It's just, I just want him to be okay. Like it's, it's really that simple. And like, I'm feeling really emotional about it now because I, it's just yes. like, I just yeah. don't know. I know that, you know, I didn't feel comfortable with them playing the game. I know that UEFA gave them two options, play it tonight or play it tomorrow. And I think mm. the overwhelming response was, let's just get this out of the way. Yeah. But the fact that they kind of, I think gave them those two options anyway, is something that I just, there's a duty of care there. And these players have just you know, just been through something which could trigger extreme PTSD we don't know about. And I know there are a lot of people online who just don't really give a shit about that stuff. No. But like I do, I really do. And I know that we do. And it's like, I haven't been through that scenario. So I'm not for one second going to tell the players, his teammates, 
what they should or shouldn't have done. I just mm. think that sometimes you have to remove the option from them and just be like, mm. we play the group game at the end of the groups. We'll move it back a week, you know, or something like that, which I know clogs up the schedule a bit, but still it's just like, it isn't that important compared to <laughs> someone's life. It's just yeah. not. And, um, mm. and to be honest, it was like, and, and immediately I was just like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want, I know he's, I'm, I'm glad he's okay from all accounts. He's quite, Chipper in hospital, he's texting and FaceTiming teammates and the the Denmark team doctor said that like his tests have come back like pretty normal and he's in yeah. good spirits. But like the the last thing I wanted to do actually, honestly watching it was just like, I don't want to watch another game. No. I don't want to watch no. another game. I don't really want to talk about another game. It was just, I can't, and I can't, maybe I'm being completely pathetic in that response, but like it just, it's just something that. Oh, I don't, I yeah, but can't it came natural. It. The, the, the actual feelings, what you had, came natural because I was, um, we, we was in the kind of holding area in the green room, and you know you could see all the executives. They were they were all over there in that little kind of huddle talking about what's got to happen, and we prob- we still have to go on. No, no, I was speaking to Roscoe. I was saying, Roscoe, what the fuck, man? I said, Roscoe, I don't, I'm frazzled. I'm a bit frazzled. I don't, I've never been in this situation because I'm somebody who, as, as weird as this might sound and might not even be the right example, but I can't even watch a horror film of something mm. happening, what makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable in that. So, you know, people say, well, you know, you, you had the choice, right? You could have just turned out, you could just turn, stop watching. For some reason, I couldn't stop watching because I, I needed to know what was going on now. Mm-hmm. I want to know that Christian Eriksen's going to be all right. And the, the, the downside of that is that Christian Eriksen could not have been all right. And so I remember speaking to Roscoe and, he, and I said, Roscoe, they still want us to go on, man. I've still got to go on. And he said, don't, don't think of anything. When it comes up, be honest to what you feel. And I just said, when, when Mark Pugach came to me, he said, um, and I said, I, I don't feel present. It doesn't feel, I, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't care. It's, it's just like, I can't actually try and act like what's just happened and what I've just seen and everything is, is, is I've got to be what, professional? And now talk about a football match that's coming. And, you know, yes, they cut out all the analysis, what we had for different games and that, but what am I supposed to say? And, Afterwards, I spoke to them and I said, listen, I, don't, I can't see myself being in a position like that ever again, but I didn't want to be on there. Mm. I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not present. You know yeah. something? Like you said, right? I'm just pleased that, like they said, that, and I'm delighted, in fact. You know, when you, whether you believe in this, you just pray. Yeah. Just found myself, yeah. You yeah. just pray. I'm just glad he's okay. That's the, the, just, the whatever, that's all you can do. whatever yeah. the rest of it, like what should have happened or shouldn't happened or whether the game oh, should have gone ahead or whether, God. whatever. I'm just, I just, I'm glad he's okay. And I don't. Yeah, but right, Moose, is that, is that you turn on the television and because the, the Euros and what the Euros were and what I've seen like today and, and everything, even the game was just watching, um, you know, I, there's a different vibe about it. I'm just more excited about it. But, but, but yesterday, I, I, I literally couldn't care less. Mm. I think a lot I of that came from less. like the fact that the news this morning was really positive. Yeah. Yeah. And that was all that really mattered. Sounds like we've been kind of surrounded by death for the last two years. Mm. Really. Like we've been surrounded by it for two years and mm. a lot of people listening. We didn't need watching, it then, Moose. We didn't well, no, need but that, lot, did A lot we? of people have been, a lot of people have been watching. A lot of people haven't attended funerals. We've been in, we've yeah. been surrounded by this. And I think yes. this thing, intruded into this space, which people were, people had come to kind of detach from it. Yeah. And they brought a lot of, a lot of people watching, witnessing it brought those fears at some level, not being processed into that space. And Mm -hmm. people couldn't stop watching it. And people I was watching it with were kind of like fatalistic being like, oh, it's here too. The -hmm. thing that everyone has been navigating, the reason why we couldn't sit outside in Berlin for the last two years, the reason, the fatal reason is now we're now seeing like something lethal potentially in front of us. And it was kind of this weird moment of, um, it felt very fatalistic actually among a few of my friends, not in a kind of negative way, but people were kind of uh, almost, ah, oh, it's here too. Yes. I think that that's was the really- point. The thing, the thing that we, the thing that has been, the thing that these players have been 
relentlessly playing through in terms of a schedule and mm. pushing through for the Euros and trying to get everything back on track and then a Winter World Cup next season, you know, through the pandemic for our entertainment as people who could stay at home or who have mm. had to stay at home. That's the thing, Musa, like, you know, fans back in the stadium in Denmark and then it happens there. It's just like, it was horrible, man. I'm just yeah, glad yeah. he's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And just the final thing I want to say on that is obviously immense credit to everyone who was right there. Oh, like God, Claire, yes. Anthony Taylor for, for realizing that there was something happening straight away. And obviously the medical staff there who the situation changed so quickly as it can and stuff like that. He had a pulse and then he didn't. Mm. They uh, started doing chest compressions and they got him back with the first, I think first shock on the defibrillator, which is essential. Like, mm. so just absolute unbelievable props to the people who were on hand to, to help, you know, I'm just glad he's, so far he's okay and I just yeah. hope he makes a full recovery and I'm just yeah just sending love to him and his family absolutely can I just say with the with the with with England it's I, I, I get so so nervous with England at the start of a tournament no matter because I, I don't know if it's because of the the running from the from I don't know a year back who's going to be in the squad I did, we're going to call it, who's going to be in there? Everything that goes on, to, you, you wait and then, then it's in England at Wembley, the first game. Honestly, I was in, my stomach was in knots, man. Fucking knots. I was terrified until <sighs> I saw Gareth Southgate walk out of the tunnel mm-hmm. after catfishing us all in the warm-up games with his get-up. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing quite a serious, smart, serious. normal suit. And I was just like, and a nice knit tie. This is it. Yeah. This, yeah. this was a more important decision than who plays left back, in my opinion. <laughs> and as soon as I saw the suit, I was just like, we're all right, lads. We are you know, all the, right. Can you, can you, did you, um, did you get the vibe, or oh, Moose as well, Moose? Did you get the vibe of people just going, just fucking losing their shit over? <laughs> Trippier playing left back, just literally, just fucking losing their minds. <laughs> like- I did, but I was calm. Do you know why? <laughs> I did get it, but I've got a new attitude with this thing. Go on, my attitude. I call it the new kit principle. So whenever a new kit comes out and it's really funky and fancy, mm. my instant response is I don't like it. <laughs> but then I think to myself, listen, kit designers know how it's going to look on athletes. They know what they're doing. Trust them before you judge it. And then you see the kit on the pitch and it's actually really good. And I took that attitude towards the England lineup. I saw it. I thought, okay, a lot of people are like, this is terrible. Why is so-and-so missing from the match day squad? Why is so-and-so? And I get it. I get it. I'm not even judging them for that reaction because it's a natural visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I looked at Croatia. Croatia to me are basically Real Madrid. And what I mean is, see how Real Madrid basically are a shadow of their former selves, but still mm. extremely dangerous if you don't take them seriously. Mm. Yes. And England are basically like Atalanta. Mm-hmm. This game, if, if Southgate goes for less safety in midfield, this becomes what happened to Atalanta against Real Madrid in the Champions League, where you leave the midfield a little bit thin at a crucial point and Brozovic, Kovacic and, mm. and uh, Modric, Modric walk all over the midfield, mm. walk all over it. And the second I saw that lineup, I think I tweeted, Southgate is taking Croatia's midfield very seriously. And that is everything. I saw that and I thought to myself, I really like this because it is, it is sensible. And, and I said, there's an alternate reality where Modric walks all over Wembley and Southgate thought about that, thought that's not going to happen. Mm. And the genius of that base there, and that base of Phillips and, and I thought to myself, listen, Phillips and Rice are playing together because he's seen that working mm-hmm. well and protecting that back four. And I thought, I love that. Defensive midfield two, protecting the back four, the centre-backs, this is going to be a good look. I loved it. Do you know what actually happened? Modric did run riot, mm-hmm. scored a hat-trick, and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden got pulled out and he's in a room with Owen Wilson right now but he showed a video yeah. of what would have happened. Variant. It's a variant, variant Modric. Like Loki Modric. That's Loki Modric, bro. <laughs> you know the thing is, is um, I love that. I love that so much. It's, it's fit, you know, you know when you watch a player, you know you watch I've a player. Got I've, I've got him right. I've got him. Genius, genius, genius. You know when you watch a player, watching... Ah. Watching Calvin Phillips, because remember, Calvin Phillips got taken out of the championship into the England squad, you know. It's wonderful. People fucking forget that. And like, you should, like, even when I was doing it today, you know, people were talking about like Calvin Phillips and I think Ashley was talking a little bit about Calvin Phillips. He's in a position where maybe, I don't know, Mason Mount could have been because 
you know what I mean? He's, he's a better exponent being in a position where he can then go and support the front men or put that pass through. And I had to say, listen, man, it's only 2018. I remember saying to Roscoe, surely Roscoe, wasn't it 2018 that Bielsa started to change Calvin Phillips's game from the getting, you know, the box to box, getting up front, supporting the, the forwards to the defensive midfielder. So what you have to give Gareth credit for is that the way Calvin Phillips played in this game was brilliant. The way he oh broke goodness. things up and everything. But he also had the license to, like we saw him do with the, the creating the goal, go forward and be what you used to be. Find that person again. And fucking hell, man. It was just like, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it was a brilliant goal. It's fucking excellent can I, can goal. I say this? There's other things I want to talk about this. There was a moment, Calvin Phillips gave a trailer for the goal mm-hmm. in the first half when he gets possession and nicks away from Brozovic. Mm-hmm. So he's going toe-to-toe with Brozovic and beating him. On, and that is not an easy thing because Brozovic basically is like an, a really brilliant defensive axis on his best game. And I don't think he was expecting Phillips to be as good as he was because Phillips consistently got the jump on him. Mm. And what is really positive about this is if you, you know, almost as a kind of, um, as a symbolic thing, England, what was their thing? Set piece goals at the last mm-hmm. tournament. Mm-hmm. And pressing was a challenge for them. Like the right back was basically like, the Croatia's right back in 2018 was basically like, ah, oh, we pressed England and they didn't fancy it. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. And he said That's that. what they were that doing was- today. They were trying, they were doing that today. They were pressing hard and, for, a, for a bit. And Phillips stood tall in all of it. And he was, what I love about Phillips was he was a new problem for them. He was a new problem. He played defense midfield on the front foot which is an incredible art. Yes. Like he didn't just sit yes. positionally. He was aggressive in space. The free kick, I think he got on the edge of the box actually mm-hmm. came through that. Like written out, I was like, my guy is taking on successive challenges. He isn't just closing down space for the first one and then sitting off. Mm-hmm. He's actually pursuing them into their space. And all I could think of one word was like audacity. Mm, yes. It was you know, somebody audacity. just yeah. stepping up to a level and just fucking owning the yes. level. It's like, I'm not, I'm not comparing him to Gaza because I'm not, I'm just comparing the actual, the, 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 the what's Musa say? The energy mm, of, yeah, yeah I, I, yes, I know you're Modric. Yeah. I'm, I know you're Brozovic and I know you're Kovacic, but I'm fucking here, bro. This is, yeah. He announced this himself. Is it, man. This is me. I'm here and I'm ready to go. I think the interesting thing about the midfield, Musa, what you said before about how seriously Gareth Southgate took it was like, you saw that's where the battle was. Like, yes, so I course. thought the next best player mm-hmm. on the pitch to Calvin Phillips was Kovacic. Oh, and yeah, he's on yeah. the opposition midfield. I think that's, yeah. that's how important that midfield battle was. And I yes. think we said on the preview show last week, the thing that we are really excited about with this England squad is that it has options, right? Yes. And you yes. saw this in midfield from the jump, right? That yes. midfield of Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice as a two allowed Phillips yes. to do the maraudering a little bit mm. and then to break up the rest of the time. And they were never outnumbered. Mason Mount tucked in. Yeah. He was given the ability to kind of like glide around a little bit. The thing with this game was that I, I, I kind of tweeted similar after the game. It was like, it was kind of perfect. Clean sheet, a win for England, mm. loads of room for improvement. And the first game in a tournament yeah. is never a barometer never of what's going to really it. happen. Like, I actually I, loved this game, yeah. yeah I, really I, just I, don't I thought lose it was it. like, it was kind of perfect because you didn't, you didn't batter Croatia. So it wasn't like right. Yeah, but right. You say we didn't batter them, but Foden hit the post. I remember. So Foden hits the post with that fucking strange fucking chance out from a throw on. Yeah. Right. So we get that chance. We get Sterling going through and kind of miss kicking the ball. Mm -hmm. I believe, right. If he scores that goal, Sterling crosses that, someone taps it, we go 2 0 up. I think we then really, um, we finish Croatia because when you look at Croatia, it's, it's almost like the mystique of Croatia. Oh my God, Modric. Mm. Oh my God, yeah. what they're going to do to us. Oh, what they're going to do to us. But when, when we done that, we started so well and then we didn't score. Then we didn't score that chance where Sterling kind of missed it. And, it's a, and then all of a sudden they started to, to, to come into the game. Modric, I thought we were a bit too deep because the second half we went a lot closer mm. to Modric and their midfield. And we seemed to be like, right, we're fucking staying right here with you. We're going to win it here. And you know what I mean? We're going to, we're going to take you on from here. I thought they gave Modric a little bit too much space. And I thought they gave too much space to their midfield. Just in the first half, we, we were still maybe 
thinking about what they were capable of doing to us. Because remember, we went, what, 60 minutes or something, one nil up against them yes. in, the, in, in 2018. And I don't know if we were still a little bit afraid of what they may be able to do. But remember, there's no Mandzukic. You know, Perisic wasn't the same kind of player. Rakitic not playing. And it, you know what? It almost felt to me like, especially the second half, I'd love, I'd love to feel that Gareth Southgate would have said in the dressing room, guys, what, what, what? Why are you giving them so much fucking respect? We know that Modric can play. And get closer to them. Mm. Do you know, I liked that respect. Do you know why I liked it? I'll tell you why. It felt very much like when Manchester United finally worked out to play in the Champions League. Seeing the 1994, Manchester United would basically like play toe-to-toe mm-hmm. and get eaten. What they started doing with Ferguson was the first half hour, you see what they're about. You, work, you see what they want to do to you. Then you start picking them apart. Mm. And the reason I liked the fact they sat deep actually, Ian, was because See how, and this is a credit to Trippier, see how they targeted the inside uh, left spaces. Mm-hmm. They, they targeted Mings and Walker much more. Yeah. They went after yeah. Stones and Trippier. You know why? Because they actually watched Trippier and they know there's a lot less joy down there. They know their right. wide forwards actually defensively. Trippier is going to shut that flank down and that he did wow. that. And they put so much through that flank. And then once they realized that what they have is a spent force and Rebic went off in frustration, which he's done yep. for Milan quite a few times this year. Once they realised they had that, they were like, okay, now we can open up and start playing football and be expansive. And that to me was exciting. That, you know, Kane should have scored at the far post. Mm-hmm. Um, should have, yeah. And it should have been 2-0. But yeah. the reason I love this result was, see if that 1-0 goes in, the, the early goal from Foden, mm-hmm. it's too early and the, the festival starts and people start getting carried away with England doing whatever. But what I loved about Foden's role, Foden reminded me of Meza Ozil, the 2014 World Cup. Mm-hmm. See the outlet, the outlet winger. Mm-hmm. So even if, you don't have all those chances. The ball is sticking high up the pitch. You know that yes. beautiful first touch he brings down in the yeah, um, first yeah, half. Yeah, I remember yeah. just thinking, Özil against Sunderland. It's a di- yes, yeah. That, it, that oh same, God, that do you know what I mean? Stretch, and I'm like, I'm like full stretch takedown, full stretch takedown. But thinking, I love the fact you have a player that will get the ball in the final third and just wait for everyone to catch him up. Mm. I thought. I mean, I, I was in my friend's WhatsApp group and I was like, tactically perfect. And my friend was like, I wouldn't go that far. I was like, mm, actually, I this is exactly. If you'd said to me, this would be the result and this would be the process of the game, I was like, this is actually the best configuration I felt mm. of what they achieved. I was really happy. I don't think the tactics for this game were necessarily spot on. But if Southgate's thinking tournament long term, the first 90 minutes of the tournament, I think he got the tactics pretty well. Does that make that's sense? What that, yeah, and that's what I meant. That's on. what yeah, I meant. I'm like, listen, you, for like, look at France. Look what France oh, if that's do. what you meant, then my bad. Yeah. I mean, like, because oh, no, no, it's, it's kind of like, because I think it works for everyone, you know, like yes. Sancho and Chilwell, Chilwell weren't in the squad and that's fine, actually. Mm. I think I'd forgot, I tweeted this as well. I'd, I'd li- I know it's really silly of me, but I'd actually forgotten how much narrative comes with absolutely every single thing that happens with England during a tournament. <laughs> All of this like, lol, people saying Sterling should have been dropped. Yeah. If he had been dropped, someone else might have stepped up and scored. He scored amazing. He played really well. It's just like, let it go, lads. Just let it, just let them get into it. Let them, and I think this, this felt very much like England yeah. dipping their toe into a tournament that, that, that they expect to go deep in. And I think this is the, this was the main thing for me, what I thought was different to stuff that I've seen in the past is that the patience that they played with and the control that they played mm. with, even in the Run. times where they weren't in control of the game, where there were a few moments where Croatia mm-hmm. had got into it and looked some points the better side actually England was just like it's fine we'll get opportunities and there was this like air of confidence or patience which is which was actually I thought the most impressive thing about the whole yes it's a a maturity isn't it that's exact if another team had done put it this way sorry to jump in France or Germany had started like that and we were watching France or Germany started that we'd be like Oh my God. Wow. Oh, so, pra- so pragmatic. Wow. Oh my goodness. Incredible. Sensible. Who would have, Very sensible. Who, who would have thought, who would have thought, oh my goodness, a right footed left back. But of course, but of course, just not coming in. Oh yeah. Come on. Man. Yeah. But he was playing, he was playing against his teammate though, which I actually think mm. wasn't a massively silly move from Southgate in the long time. So it did, it did stop certain passages of play where like Trippier would come inside instead of like just going down the left hand side, which a normal left footed was. But our best creativity came the left as well. Yeah, well but I mean, this is down to yeah. Raheem Sterling as well, I think. Like Raheem, Raheem Sterling, and Raheem Sterling yeah, NBA. Yeah. Can I just yeah. say with Raheem, in, in respect of Gareth and the loyalty, I said it on the television um, today, I said it on the show, is that 
he's very loyal. I love the way he allows the people. He's, yeah. he's yeah. so fucking loyal. And when you look at Raheem, Raheem has never been, he's, he's never been used as a sub. You know what I mean? It, when you look at, right, he, he either starts or if he's on, on the bench, he doesn't come on. Mm. But Gareth is using him. And this goal and him scoring that goal probably erases last season that goal and the weight of the expectation on him being picked in front of whoever, whether it's Jack Greenish, whatever it is. But there was a lot of people clamoring for him not to start. Mm. Right. Well, we a said, we said didn't we, that we, th- we, would, we would pick uh, Sancho, Foden, Kane as our I best probably wouldn't. I probably three. wouldn't have started but him. the thing and- is, again, though, this is the thing, like, this isn't saying that anyone else in that squad isn't worthy of a starting position because, mm. like we said on the podcast, England have genuine options. And this is the great thing about this squad that Sancho, uh, sorry, Sterling, even though we were slightly looking at Sancho as yeah. probably being... The way he finished the season, the, right? Getting the nod, yeah, especially yes. since Christmas where his form has been kind of otherworldly. Mm. That's not a take. That's not a hot take. And that's also not slander. And this is what I meant about it. This isn't like someone, like just because you, you think someone might start or should probably start ahead of someone else. doesn't mean you're writing Sterling off. Like we all mm. know how great Raheem Sterling is. He's amazing. Like yeah. even if he's not had the greatest of season, he still won the league. He's man- like, yes. he still won the, the league. Like I said, his manager trusted. You see, like, like we said, right, when we were speaking about the front three and who we'd have, we kind of picked, apart from Harry Kane, we picked the guys who would kind of inform Foden, Sancho. Yeah. And what we haven't taken into consideration, which Gareth did because obviously he sees him on a regular basis, probably speaks to him on a regular basis. People don't realise how many times an England manager will phone a player that he believes Mm. is an integral part of the squad and speak to him. Just like what Terry Venables done with Alan Shearer, Mm. told him, I don't know, a year in advance, whatever happens. Remember, he didn't score for two years leading into that 96. Whatever happens, you're starting as the number nine in the Euros for me. Don't worry about that. Can you imagine what that does to you? So mm-hmm. we don't know what Gareth Southgate has said to Raheem Sterling, but he trusts him. Mm-hmm. And then you put in a performance like you did, you know, and score the winning goal in a, in a, in a, in a tournament at home, you know, I mean, with all the pressure that's on him, with the clamour for other people to be in there. And, you know, he's somebody that there's a lot of people here would love to see him fail. Oh, yeah. And in the for end, various reasons, yeah, for various reasons. And in the end, it, honestly, sitting in the studio, you know, and seeing that happens, honestly, it just you get a sense of relief for him as you know what I mean, as a black man as well. You know what I mean? Because we can't mm. ignore that. Yeah, we you know, can't. Um, that you just think, thank fuck for that. Thank you mm. for that. Gonna say, but also props to Wales for picking up a point. Yes. You think, it's a, yes. you think it's a good point for them? I think it's a good point for Oh my God, it's an no, amazing no, no. It's point. It's a great point. I watched yeah, that game. I saw a lot of yeah. people like being a little bit like, oh, but actually I think, I think it was a really good point for them. I think Do you think we're looking for too much from people like Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bell? Like when, I'm not saying they're going to do a 2016 where their performances were outstanding mm. as, as two um, integral players because I thought both of them were, they were playing in that kind of, they, they, they played the kind of performance. I thought that Gareth Bell was pretty poor, if I'm going to be totally honest, for what they're going to need from him in this tournament. Yes, it's the first game and it, hopefully he'll build into it. But I just need to see a bit more from him in certain areas of the pitch. A little more, a little more dynamism from him. Just a little bit more, you know, because, you know, I think that they gave them too much respect to start with. Switzerland. Mm. I think they should have, with what he's capable of, with the pace of Daniel James, with the aerial ability of Moore and what they could do, just bombard, just fucking go for Switzerland. I actually, I, I, I would only differ on that. Do you know why? Switzerland were a lot more assertive than mm. I've seen them in a, in, a, in a major tournament, especially an opening game than ever before. Here's the funny thing though. I think the, the loss of Ryan Giggs so close to the start of the tournament Mm. and so the need for Wales to rejig so when you rejig start of a tournament Ian if you think about it it happened with Nigeria World Cup 98 like you have to like just reset so many things and of course when you're resetting it becomes safety first and it's like you know first game of the tournament 
don't lose. And that Even to the, the detriment of someone that can run you out of problems. I think, but I think if you think about it, I think, but in, yes, I think that's the thing, Ian, if it, it becomes a kind of safety first, we'll stand off. And I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I agree that Daniel James is a superb outlet, but the way that Switzerland played, that Wales played, Wales did invite pressure. And this is the thing as well to remember, Briel Mbolo, oh, at, his peak, peak, at, his, Mbolo. At, his, at his peak this season, at his peak this season, he's been brilliant for Gladbach. Like his peaks for Gladbach, mm. in, not, not, not for sustained periods, but his peaks in certain games, he's been brilliant. And you know, it's funny, before this game, I was actually watching the great Daniele Massaro his old highlight movies. AC Milan, And there's a bit, see like Mbolo's goal where he like gets the ball uh, pushed wide from uh, a corner and then comes and scores the header. Mm -hmm. It reminded of Massaro. Absolutely. Like when Massaro basically knew and spotted a weakness in the defence, he was a bully. Mm. And I think you're right. Like Wales gave Mbolo room to be a bully. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Does, that make, does that make sense? Peak and Bolo is like mischances, then a really good goal. He just looked so imposing and mm. so dangerous. Good player, man. You know, he's linked up. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. He's a good player. People are hanging off of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? You think to yourself, whatever it is to give him that rocket to make him say, right, I, you see like how, you see like how Lukaku is now. Yes. Lukaku, oh Lukaku is He's in the fast lane. He's we ready. He's gone. He's yeah. blasting. He's got his yeah. cape on. If you can get Mbolo to get into Lukaku's mindset in respects of where Lukaku wants to go, what he wants to do, the self-belief. What I saw from Mbolo with his ability and the way he linked the play, we're talking about somebody else that is fucking frightening, man. Mm. Frightening. So Belgium beat Russia 3-0. Mm-hmm. Two goals from Romelu Lukaku, um, pushing them towards victory. And just everything about Lukaku delivered a masterpiece. He's delivered actually a few of those this year, Mm. where from start to finish, he has been the talisman of his team. And and he's handled all the business. This man went to Russia, took the knee, got booed by a segment of the fans along Mm. with his teammates, and then stood up and handled every piece of... Mm moral, ethical, spiritual, political, mm. athletic business he could have handled mm. and he bounced. Yes. And specifically the celebration and the dedication to Christian Eriksen. Oh. Have we ever seen a footballer break the fourth wall in a more beautiful way? They're there to entertain and perform, but ultimately they're humans first. And the fact that like through all the kneeling and all the booing, his first thought was my, my friend, friend, my teammate my with friend. whom I've shared big moments. My friend. Through all of that, through mm. all of that. And I was like, this man, and I don't know who tweeted it. Was it, was it Carl Anker or someone else? I didn't know if I could love, I don't think it was Carl, but I didn't know I could love Lukaku anymore until this moment. Mm. You know, what's good about it is that, well, it's not good because me and Roy Keane was having, not an argument about it, but we was having a discussion about why Lukaku is now the player we're seeing that he is and why he wasn't that player at Man United and the different reasons. You know, the fact that he had to play up front on his own 50% of the time. Spaces that he wants to occupy were, you know, whether it's Marshall or Rashford or, you know, if he's dropping, if he drops deep, like we see him drop deep and like we saw him do in the game yesterday, drop deep, ball broke and he freight trained, just freight trained. You know, he does that. And at Man United, he didn't have that. He was, he was, he was, he was the furthest forward back to goal. You know what I mean? That is not what Lukaku's about. You know, Lukaku is roaming from maybe wing to wing in that, num- in that area between lines or where they're pushing forward. They've got a couple of defenders back, but he's just, he's just loitering. Yes. And, you know, he's just loitering to the point where you feel like when you see him there, that's danger. That is danger. And like the, some, some of the times when you saw him, he got the ball, and it, the way he linked it, take people on a couple of step overs, played it in, the guy make, missed the chance and stuff like that. But everything he done, whether it was link up play, whether it was getting the ball and running straight through, whether it was running somebody out of a space, so he done everything in that game. He done everything in that game. Yes. Um, yesterday. And it was really good to see. Masterclass. I yep. said, I said, and I said it um, yesterday. I did say, I said, Romelu Lukaku, when he left here, he left here with people almost 
like waving him away, like, <laughs> you're a joke player. Go and see you later. Mm. You know, that's the vibe. And now you're looking at him. He's looking terrifying. Dude, I knew, man, people get serious when they go bald, man. Like, <laughs> the thing about it, like, seriously, because I don't think he needed to go bald. That's the thing. When people go voluntarily bald. When people go voluntarily bald, that is a problem. proper statement. You said this. It's, it's a big. problem. It's a problem, man. Like, like Pepe did it for years and all of a sudden he goes to Porto and grows hair and everyone's just like, what the fuck? He was like what? that. He was like that voluntarily. Yes. There's something quite scary about somebody who goes bald but don't need to. Exactly. Do you know what Lukaku, you know what he's become? Do you know what Lukaku's what, become? What has he become? The equaliser. <laughs> <laughs> he's become the equaliser. They're booing Lukaku. They're booing yes. Lukaku in Petersburg. You know what he's thinking in what? his brain mentally? He's looking at his stop. He's looking at his stopwatch. He's whispering. That's exactly. He's then the, watching the him walking like, into that room. The defender was saying, and Lukaku was just whispering, nine minutes, nine minutes, yes. nine minutes, nine yes. minutes, 32. He's whispering the time. The defender's like, it's happening. It's you like know when- what else is like, Moose? <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like, it's like, you know, it's, it's like Sherlock Holmes when he, when he shows us yes. all the moves. <laughs> shows us all the moves before they happen. I'm going to punch him here. Then I'm going to break his leg. Then I'm going to yes. do this and that. Yes. Lukaku and the way he's playing, it's like, he, he, he looked so um, assured. He looked so assured. It's all right. No Hazard, no De Bruyne. Yes, we've still got the Driesman. We've still got Tielemans. You know, then Donker's in there. But we've, we're talking about a Lukaku that is like taken the weight of the expectation of a Belgian side that people are still saying are one of the favourites, number one ranked team in the world. And he's t- at the moment, that's all on him. It's all on him. And he loves it. He loves the responsibility. This is the thing, like, you know, calling himself the king, not in, he wasn't going to be arrogant. It was like, someone challenged him. Someone challenged mm. him to be the king mm. in Serie A and, and he became it. it. Yes. And, you know, we've been following obviously Serie A this season and he has been, shout out to Nicky Bandini, he's done an amazing job covering Lukaku and what he's done this, and James Horncastle as well. Mm. Lukaku has been putting on clinics, centre forward clinics at a time where it's, we're in the era of the false nine. See the way Lukaku is playing at the moment. Can you imagine Lukaku? Cause I'm, he's probably the same size when he was 12. He's playing football. <laughs> like when he was 12, he was probably six foot when he was yeah. 12, just blasting through people. And it's funny because I used to say, when I used to watch him at Man United and the way he played at Man United, you think to yourself, this is somebody that needs some more schooling in the way he's supposedly meant to hold a ball and way he's running, the way he's meant to play. But he didn't because he's got a style of play where he doesn't go up against a defender. He goes into positions where, like when he was a kid, probably all the guys that he played with were half his size and he got the ball and he's still got the same power, still got the same kind of intelligence, the way he plays, still got the same pace. And he just blasts through the lot of them. But here's the weird thing with the Kaku. Like. There's a weird thing with like. the Kaku, Ian, is that, sorry to jump in, but it got me thinking before I forget. He was someone who didn't always use his body that much at United. Like, you'd see him be like, one of his skills was, like when it, sorry to bring this up, the 3-0 over Arsenal mm-hmm. that Everton got. And the way that he would like... Yeah, that's when Roberto Martinez played him off, that, off the right, right? And he's yeah, he, he had this ability to pop in, to pop up out of nowhere in the box. For a dude that, you know, he's a big dude, like... Mm. And this is... He, he would actually not always lean into using the physicality that much. And part of me was almost like, I wish you kind of did that more. Mm. And Conte and Martinez have now, what they've done with him is they basically said, look, Romelu, you're an avalanche, mm. right? So we've got to start you where you're the snowball and you've got to like just build up this momentum. See the yes. goal, the signature goal that he scored this year, the one in, against um, AC Milan in the Derby. AC Milan, when he just picked it up. Oh my goodness. Yes. He's probably still scorch marks in the San Siro. That's, That's what I yeah, said yeah. yesterday. That's his freight train goal. You're not stopping that runaway train. That's Once he gets there, yeah. and that's the one what he does where he j- gets himself, drops into the po- pocket there, whether it's with um, his, 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 um, Martinez um, in, or whether it's Dries Merton, he just gets himself in a position where he's not doing too much closing down and it's, he just drops in there. Once he picks it up, Unstoppable. Final thing I want to say on Lukaku is can everyone go, go and read Musa's thread that he wrote, please? Oh. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's, Have you done a thread on, on, on Lukaku? Musa wrote, I'm going to be Musa's hype man for a change because this dude needs to stop <laughs> shouting me out when I don't have a, the chance to, to speak and tell him to shut up. <laughs> Here after his podcast appearances elsewhere. But uh, yeah, Musa wrote a thread of uh, Lukaku gifts and Kendrick lyrics and it's very strong. So go and check it out. 
Thanks, man. Quickly, we're recording this during mm-hmm. Netherlands, Ukraine, which yes. has been yes. absolutely amazing. So we're going to talk about that on the next Righty's House. Apparently the game of the Euro so far. Looking ahead, Scotland. Do you think Scotland will be all right against Czech Republic? Um, yes. Yeah? I think they'll be all right because I think that Scotland have, not only do they have competition for places, but they genuinely feel like they're, mm. you can feel like they know that they're half decent. They've got the momentum of Scotland, the midfield of Scotland. We're talking about working for each other. They are working for each other. You know, do not write off the capabilities of someone like Billy Gilmore. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, John McGinn, you know, Scott McTominay, walk, like playing at that right centre half, mm-hmm. but going into midfield and helping there as well. Robertson, Tierney, Belief. All of a sudden, you're looking at that. T- they, for me, can, can easily beat the Czech Republic and they will cause us problems. We are going to have to beat them. We're going to have to beat them because we're not going to see a game like we saw Belgium against Russia. They didn't give them a test. Right. Scotland are not going to do that to teams. Scotland are going to cause you problems because they're not going to stop working because that's one of their main attributes. Uh, it's also France-Germany on... We're going to talk about the next one, right? France-Germany. Yes. But yes. quickly, yes. because uh, we've got to bounce, obviously. Leave you to Go it. Go on, then. What, what do you reckon? Who are you looking forward to in France-Germany? Rudiger Rudy Griezmann. Is it? Because Griezmann's, Griezmann's the guy that comes out and attacks that player who's in that area who wants to try and do something. And what I like about Griezmann is, is that he's very aggressive, mm. very aggressive. And, you know, but he's, he's not nasty with the aggressiveness. You know, he's like Carnivaro. When I played with a Carnivaro, Carnivaro would come in and tackle you and he'd hurt you, but he's not meaning to hurt you. It's mm. just, he's so aggressive. And that's what I think that Rudiger should do to Griezmann. Because Griezmann plays in that place with Moose where, you know, you see him, if he gets that place and no one gets to him and he's got, he's curling it in the top corner. He is very much so. And that's a he's dangerous spot. He's curling it in the top corner. What I'm interested about, so I watched Germany against Latvia. They were spectacular. I'm interested though in that midfield situation. Because you play Gundogan and Kroos against a team that sits deep. Mm. You'll have your way with them. But I'm wondering how brave Love is going to be or conservative in the best sense. I think he should be conservative because if you play Gundogan and Kroos against that France midfield of Pogba and Kante, mm. I think that's a problem for you. And who, Rabio, Tolisso, who? So this is the thing, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what Germany do in their midfield and how they set their stall out because I think if Germany sort their, their defence midfield out, then that's really good for them and I want to see how Love is, is thinking with that. Mm. So yeah, it's not so much the players as the system that I'm going to be paying attention to. I'm, I'm, I'm looking f- most looking forward to seeing how Karim Benzema does, actually. Is he, is he going to mm. be fit? Is he, fit? is he okay? If he is, I hope he is. And what about Mbappe, Giroud thing? Are they, are they imploding? Are we seeing a 2010 South Africa's France getting ready to implode? All I'll say is this, empires very often die from within. France have a footballing empire at the moment. They are the kind of front runner, to Mm. my mind anyway. There's theirs to lose. There's theirs to lose. And I would say this, I am just a bit concerned that so much is coming out from the France camp. Do you think that Mbappe being as young as he is and as powerful as he is, no one's saying to him, yo, my friend, temper it down, man. This is yeah, a we shouldn't. That we right, have to we, win. This is the problem, Ian. We shouldn't be hearing this. Mm. Like we, France could be a bit like, look, they could be like Real Madrid, a messy club that loves drama. They could be mm. like that. And it could be, you know, Real Madrid, even they were winning, things came out of the dressing could, room yeah. but, and they just they, kept winning. Yeah. I'm not actually confident that France are comfortable with that level of mess coming out and can still win. And the point is, it's a distraction. We shouldn't be hearing it. We should be afraid of them. There shouldn't be a single mm. word coming out. We should be thinking. It's the kind of weakness. Moose, Moose, it's the kind of weakness that your team on the outside looking in know that there's something. You feed on it. Pogba Mbappe, Griezmann should be living in our heads mm-hmm. rent-free. Continually. But they're not. And Benzema too, but they're not because we're hearing all this stuff about Mbappe and Griezmann and not this passing to each other. Yes. And here's the thing as well. Here's a hot take for you. Maybe... Mbappe was brilliant in the World Cup, but maybe we hyped his role too much and maybe we hyped Griezmann too little. As amazing as Mbappe was, he was enabled by so many brilliant structures around him and the sacrificial running of Matuidi and so on. Mbappe, I love Mbappe, I think he's amazing. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if this thing playing out is almost like 
we've given too much emphasis to the wrong things that made that squad brilliant. Mm. And do you think that people who have made it brilliant are starting to feel like, I don't like the fact that you're getting so much of the shine? I, well, I don't think it's jealousy from Giroud. I don't think Giroud is getting, I don't think Giroud ever got enough credit for the last World Cup. I don't think he's getting the credit now. Do you think he's not getting respect from a young player that's obviously... That could be part of it because we, this, we don't need to be... When I first saw the Mbappe comments, I was like, okay, this has happened. Mm. And then I'm like, all I could think was, Ryan, he's still talking. <laughs> yes. He's still that's talking. I was thinking We've had the this. first moment okay, and now that's enough, yeah. there's fresh comments. I'm like, hey man, like, okay, it's calm. Yeah, but this, this is what I'm saying, Moose. Is there, is there someone, no one big enough in the squad to, to say to... Because he's still a young player. Yo, you need to just fucking calm down. Look, bring it down a couple of notches, bro. Get Patrick to yeah. have a word. Well, that's what I said to, to Patrick. I said, Pat, what, what are we seeing here, man? Are we, are we seeing a, a 2010, a South Africa? Are we seeing a France implode? And he just laughed. Is that it? That literally just laughed. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Patrick, that, that, that's what Patrick does. <laughs> Pat, all Patrick does, the one thing that I loved about Patrick as... Um, when we, we we got the influx of the of the French players, he's, he's he picked up the the, um, the English sense of humour very quickly. Amazing, you know, very very quickly. Nicholas was you could have three days of Nicholas not saying a word. That's, to you. that's the mistake, man. Manu, Manu Petit, the same. The last thing I'll see on. <laughs> sorry, I know we got we got to bounce, but no worries. I think very quickly. I think the person that has the conversation actually, I think it's Pogba in that dressing room. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree without a doubt. Yeah, because Pogba doubt. has said things before about team unity. Because I remember that game against Uruguay when Mbappe started something and Pogba had to finish it. He said, Mbappe said something and then like everyone was like going for, and then Pogba was there holding shirts and putting things in order. Mm-hmm. And that dynamic I think is crucial in terms of someone needs a talking to in that France camp. Right. And I think it's going to be, I think it'd be Paul. That it's got to it. be Pogba, man. Yeah, okay, yeah. man. Looking forward to the game though. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Man. Listen guys, I've, we're going to have to go. I'm going to have to bounce. Yeah, go get, go to bed, to man. Do. I'm going to go to bed. It's late. But um, thanks for coming into the yard. All right, man. Thanks for having us. Right, it's a yard. pleasure. Yeah, yeah. We know it's late to be in the yard, but we appreciate it. I'll see you again it. soon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get a rewind of the, um, of the, of the, of the Netherlands Ukraine game. Yeah. And watch that. But um, when, 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 when we on next, guys? Tuesday, I think. Tuesday, man. So I'll see you Tuesday. Inject it. See you then. Let's inject it, man. <laughs> Let's go. See you later, guys. See you, man. See ya. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you very much for listening again. Right, Isaias. Thank you very much, Musa Akonga. Thank you very much, Ryan. Ryan Hunt, um, we'll be back on Tuesday in more Wrighty's house. Until then, take it easy. Um, Enjoy the games.